This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Maldonado back in the box. Two-tone bat. No batting gloves. Here's the 2-2. At the knees for strike three. Frozen with a fastball on the inside corner. And that is the ball game. The Houston Astros, even up this series, had a game apiece as they defeat the Angels by a final of 3-1. to one. Now, another Astros podcast. A couple of confidence builders in this ballgame. One for Ken Giles, who just nailed it down with a good hard fastball at the knees. So he can be confident with an upper 90s heater. And Mike Fires, what a job, winning three consecutive times now. For Mike, the first time he's done that since 2014. He's riding high. Welcome back. Robert Ford, Steve Sparks, once again joined by Astros general manager Jeff Luno. And performance yesterday from Mike Fires, seven and a third innings. Gave up just the unearned run, allowed only two hits. And, you know, the Astros, with some injuries to the rotation, really need guys like Fires to step up. He's done that of late. Really, since he got demoted for basically six hours out of the rotation and came back in, uh, he's been great. He's been terrific. He's exactly the type of guy we thought we were getting and, and should continue to get this summer. And, you know, we knew we were going to need eight or nine starters throughout the year. We're already there. Uh, and he's going to be key to keeping us in this thing. Hey, Jeff, with the nerve inflammation uh, in the neck of Dallas Keiko right now, how confident are you that he's going to only miss one or two starts? I don't know how many starts he's going to miss. I've talked to the doctors. I'm confident it's going to heal itself and we're going to be back to 100%. And that's really the most important thing. But yeah. whether it's one or two starts or three starts, I really don't know. We, we don't want to make the same mistake we just made of bringing him back and then having the same injury reoccur. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that he is healthy and ready to go because we know that we have a large uh, workload planned for him, the balance of the second half and into the playoffs. And I imagine with that, that pinched nerve, it probably causes weakness in the shoulder. Is that is that right? It's all related. I mean, yeah. you talk about the nerve, the shoulder, the arm, everything's interconnected there. And so... When you feel discomfort in one area, you end up overcompensating in other areas and maybe changing your delivery a little bit. So uh, we do need him to just have all the symptoms resolve themselves. He also had an illness on top of it, so there were a bunch of things going on at the same time. Uh, you know, I, at this point, I don't really care how long it takes. I mean, obviously, we miss him and want him back, but the most important thing is that he's back and he's on the down. Yep. Uh, updates on some other injured pitchers. Looks like Joe Musgrove is going to come off the DL, make the start tomorrow against the Texas Rangers. And then uh, Colin McHugh and Charlie Morton, what, what, what are the statuses of those those three? Well, we're happy to have Musgrove back, and I think he'll be starting tomorrow, um, and all systems are go there. Uh, the other guys, Morton is now throwing again after about 10 days of non-throwing, and uh, so far feels good. So we just need to progress him and build him back up, and, and he should be not too far off um, and McHugh is, is feeling he's meeting all of the timelines in fact we've been able to accelerate his timeline a little bit so I'm still thinking mid-July before he's in a major league game but he'll be in games uh, hopefully in a minor league rehab games in early July uh, if not the end of June and, and to think about the shot in the arm that we'll have when we get those guys back mm. uh, in the middle of the season when we were kind of exhausted and four out of our five projected stars to start the year have ended up on the DL so it'll be really nice for us. Hey, Jeff, I, I've got a two-part question. We got to see Francis Martez a couple of games ago. Obviously, the, 
the best uh, prospect in your organization. Uh, it was exciting to see him out there, and he also bridged a, a gap. He, he covered three and two-thirds innings. How important is it at, with the loss of Brad Peacock out of the bullpen for you guys to get a, a true long guy in the pen? We're going to need guys that can give us multiple innings, and we've seen it out of Jankowski and Tolliver. And, but Martez is a more natural for that role because he is a starter. In fact, I think A.J. the night before that tried to warm him up for potentially to come in in the eighth inning, but he didn't warm up quickly enough. So mm. he's, he's a little bit more of a routine-based guy because he's always been a starter. Sure. But he can give us multiple innings. It was it was huge pickup for us the other night for him to be able to deliver what he was. And, you know, we, he flashed the plus slider. He flashed the plus fastball. And I think his stuff is definitely going to play up here. The uh, draft starting tomorrow, the first two rounds tomorrow. It goes over, over three days and have four picks on, on the first day. And, I know you guys are holed up in the in the draft room. The scouts, Mike Elias, assistant GM in charge of scouting and player development, uh, getting getting your draft board together at this point, right? No doubt about it. Our first pick is 15. It'll happen early in the in the night, and we feel very good about our choices there. But then we've got three more picks that night, and they're very very important to us because we're not going to be picking high in the draft anymore. So the more talent we can accumulate, I think that's a, it's a good thing. Our our scouts have done such a great job out there working this year, and we're going to be ready for sure. At the upper levels, Jeff, you guys, I'm sure, are watching the progress of a lot of your pitchers right now. And Kyle Smith, he's been unbelievable. Just three runs in his last eight starts in double-A Corpus Christi. He's turned the corner, got off to a slow start. He did. Well, you know, he, he missed all of 2015 with after Tommy John surgery yep. and came back. And really, I don't read too much into their first year back because typically they're just getting used to it again. And so really, this was the baseline year where we we're going to see what we had in Kyle Smith. And so far, at least uh, last month or so, he's been excellent. He's got a nice curveball. He's got a good fastball, and he's got command of it. He's, he's got multiple pitches. None of them blow you away. The curveball is probably his best pitch, but he has command of his pitches. And a guy with command can make it to the big leagues. Yep. I want to ask you about another pitcher, right-hander by the name of Hector Perez. Astros shows him as their May minor league pitcher of the month. He's been pitching well first at Quad Cities, now at Buies Creek. 69 strikeouts in 53 innings and an ERA of 3.23. What do you guys like about him? We love him. He's one of our top Latin arms and one of those guys that throws 93 to 100 miles an hour. He can pitch a whole game in the 95 to 97 range. Uh, he's got a, a mix of pitches. He's got four pitches. He's learning to command his secondary stuff and figuring out how to use those weapons and you know we moved him up to Bowie's Creek and this is a guy that could end up in double A this year and one of those Latin arms that uh, we're going to continue to get excited about because those are the guys that end up up here and look like Michael Feliz and David Paulino. Jeff it seems like there's seasons for you guys especially in the front office and right now you get through the draft you get guys signed the next season comes up and it's the trade deadline are you, are you gonna are you expecting to see some trade interests start cropping up I know, I know you guys want to be aggressive if it, if it makes sense. Well, we do. We certainly want to make sure that we're exploring all avenues to put our team in the best position, not only to make sure we get to the postseason, but also perform there. And, you know, a lot of the conversations are going fairly slowly right now because people are focused on the draft and a lot of teams are still trying to figure out what their strategy is going to be for the rest of the summer. You know, we're clearly going for it, so we have to wait for everybody else to decide. And I still think it's going to be a late July situation for us more than anybody else because, uh, we're going to need to know what the landscape looks like, and we're probably going to be aggressive, but it may not be aggressive in terms of early, just aggressive in terms of what we actually do. Astros General Manager Jeff Luna, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. Welcome back to Astro Launch, everybody. This is Steve Sparks, and I'd love to catch up with the uh, scouting director of the Astros ahead of the amateur draft, which is on Monday, and it's Mike Elias. Mike, uh, a lot of prep going on with you guys, all the scouts in town right now. How's everything shaping up for you guys? 
Great so far. This is our favorite time of year. We spend all year thinking about these kids, chasing them all around the country, watching games, talking to one another, reading rumors on the internet. And we're just really excited to see what happens and see which players that we end up with. You guys have a lot of picks in the top 100. There's five selections you guys are going to make in that top 100. It's a good amount of guys. It, uh, it looks like there's going to be a lot of talent. Where is the draft strongest? Normally, when I look at a draft class, you know, we're able to say, wow, there's a lot of college pitching or a lot of left-handed pitching or a lot of catchers. There's really not a theme like that this year. Okay. Um, I think historically speaking, the one thing that stands out with this class is there's a handful of really elite two-way players. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a rare thing, and it's a, it's a kind of an amazing phenomenon. Whether how relevant that's going to be to our draft as the Astros, I'm not so sure. Some of those kids are going to go in the very first couple picks of the draft. Yeah. But that would be the one thing that would stand out about the, the composition of the draft class this year. When you look at a guy like that, I would imagine some teams look at him as a position player. Some teams look at him as a pitcher. Does it change their value in your minds? A little bit. Um, I, in, in some sense, you might have two bites at the apple if the guy is a legitimate two-way talent. If, let's say, it's a high school kid and you send him out to hit, and it turns out he's not as good at hitting as you thought, you down. can at least try him out on the mountain before you part ways. Um, you obviously don't want that to happen, but it's in the back of your mind to some degree that there's a fallback plan. There's um, What's different this year you know, you read about Brendan McKay at Louisville, sure. um, one of the best players in the country. There's debate which way he's better, and I, I can't think of a player that's been viewed as a kind of a consensus top five talent both ways. Mm. Um, so there might be some temptation to let him do both and figure it out for a while. So it's just interesting this year that so many of them are happening. I don't know if it's a trend. And, you know, we, we, you hear exciting reports about um, the star player over in Japan who's the same way, and this might be something that's coming to Major League Baseball one day. Yeah. I don't know. When you guys comprise all the names on your list, I, I would imagine you guys have a board and teams get or players start getting knocked off. Do you guys go with the best player available or the, a need that you might have in the organization with the 15th pick? With the 15th, we will uh, absolutely take the, the player that we've rated as the top talent on our board, uh, irrespective to what position he plays and what we have in the big leagues, what we have in the minor leagues. Um, and we actually do that through the top 10 rounds of the draft. it's okay. We just try to grab as much talent as possible. We'll, we'll probably continue doing that um, into the teens of the draft. And then usually what happens is when you start getting into the 20s, 20s rounds, um, you'll start saying, hey, we kind of need a shortstop for Tri-City. We, we, you still like that the guy. It's not that you don't view he's a prospect but you'll start thinking about your needs in terms of making decisions, whether to draft that right-handed pitcher or draft the shortstop that are on your board. But uh, for the first 15, 20 rounds, you're just trying to grab talent. What is the riskiest pick? I mean, is it a high school pitcher? Is it a guy that's uh, skinny? I mean, what, what's the riskiest pick in the draft? Um, the, the adage over the years has always been that it's high school pitching, high school right-handed pitching in particular has gotten kind of a rap for that. Um, as scouting has evolved um, and our knowledge has evolved and our ability to, to our, our player development efforts where we can keep guys a little healthier and um, you know track their progress a little better and there's so much technology at our disposal now uh, we think that risk is kind of going away a little bit mm -hmm. um, you know last year we took a high school righty with our first pick and um, uh, you know he's he's doing well he's he's good we've got a lot of uh, expectations and hopes for him and he's, uh, you know we're hopefully we can keep progressing him uh, safely up the system. But 
Um, we're not as scared of that demographic, I think, as we might have been five, ten years ago. And um, I'm not sure that there is any, any, any high-risk demographic these days. You know, these kids go out and play a lot in the summertime against really good competition with wood bats. Um, it wasn't like that 10, 20 years ago with high school players, and some of those kids had never left their towns before. Yeah. Um, there's, just, it's, there's just a little more to go on now with a high school player. Last thing, Mike, do me a favor. Uh, draft Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers types again. <laughs> that might be a, a once-in-a-lifetime lifetime thing, and um, we'll, so we'll certainly try. But if we can uh, get anywhere near their levels of talents, I think we'll have uh, viewed this as a success. There you go. Draft is on Monday. Michael Elias, thanks so much for catching up. Thanks, Steve. Back with more Astro Lunch right after this. Every baseball fan has a big league dream, and DraftKings wants to make them come true with the Big League Call-Up. We're offering 30 special contests over 30 days. Each winner will receive a different once-in-a-lifetime experience. You could be taking batting practice on the field, throwing out the first pitch before a game, or acting as general manager for the day. Houston Astros, select Carlos Correa. That's just to name a few. Step up to the plate at DraftKings.com and get ready to make your big league day. DraftKings, the game inside the game. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Astros pitching coach Brent Strom before the Astros take on the Angels. And uh, got to see a Major League debut. Francis Martez called up a couple of days ago and uh, got into the game in long relief. Wound up throwing three and two-thirds innings. And I know with any young pitcher getting to the big leagues for the first time, you want to at least get that that first one out of the way, right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously nerves take a place. I can remember back my first one. My, I can remember the first pitch. I can remember the first hitter, uh, the whole bit. I'm sure Francis will take this uh, and keep this for the rest of his life. So tell me about your debut then. My debut, I got uh, Ron Hunt. Uh, people don't remember Ron Hunt led the world in getting hit by pitches. He actually used to wear a, uh, a wetsuit underneath his jersey to you know absorb the, the blow. I don't think my fastball would have hurt him at all but uh <laughs> but i do remember the first three hitters it was uh ron hunt uh tim foley and then ken singleton who currently is the announcer for the yankees so that's what i remember how did you do i got all three of them out and and uh pitched a decent game willie mays played first base that day so uh it was uh, obviously etched in my memory i'll never forget it so with francis martez debut you know struggled a little bit it uh wanted to be in a game that the the astros would lose but uh what have you guys seen from martez but also in spring training and the reports you've been getting when he was at AAA that that really has impressed you well obviously it's a big strong right-handed pitcher that's uh, highly uh highly touted uh, uh quite frankly there's some work that needs to be done to refine some things that i saw last night uh i i spoke two or three times last night with the pitching coordinator, uh, Doug White, to uh, voice my concerns about some things. Uh, I hope that uh, last night's outing will show Francis that, uh, that some changes need to be made, some, some, some small things need to be made to help him pitch at this level. You know, a lot of times at the minor league level, uh, you can get away with some things because of the uh, level of play of the hitters. But uh, I hope it was, a, it was an awakening for him to let him see that uh, when you make mistakes at this level, you, you pay dearly. And uh, we're going to go to work on that in about an hour. And when you talk about uh, uh, Martez and pitching out of the bullpen, he's been a starter uh, throughout his minor league career and his first big league appearance out of the bullpen, which happens from time to time. How do you prepare someone for that since, you know, it's a different routine in the pen? You get him up an inning early is what yeah. you do. You get him up with the idea, with the game that last night. You know, last night's game, we, we, I desperately hate losing ball games. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there was a shining thing, was him going three and two-thirds, giving our, our, our bullpen that's been, been, you know, 
battle worn a little bit the last couple of weeks gives them a, a night off I think everybody would be fresher due to what Francis did it's the same thing Asher Tolliver did for us earlier mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so we got him early up early uh, CB had him throw a little bit early so that it wouldn't be a, a shock to him uh, so he basically had plenty of time to get loose to come into the ball game. Mike Fires getting a start for the Astros, and uh, Fires has been a lot better his last couple of outings. What has been better for Fires uh, the last two? It's called the curveball. It's called the curveball, quite frankly. He's getting his, he's landing his curveball, throwing it harder, throwing it better. Uh, made some changes with it a little bit, and uh, that's a big pitch for him. And when he doesn't have it, then it, it, it kind of it doesn't give you a contrast between his uh, fastball and his. He has a plus changeup also, but the curveball really uh, uh, has come back, which is uh, a pitch he needs. Uh, we throw a lot of breaking balls as a, as a staff, and uh, and Mike getting his back, I think, has been a big key, plus some, some small other things. Brent Strom, Astros pitching coach, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. A.J. Hinch. We'll take the baseball from Mike Fires. Gets a standing ovation from 41,000 plus. Turns in his longest outing of the season. Well, maybe the second best game we've we've seen Mike Fires throw as a Houston Astro. He was magnificent today. Talking about changing his mechanics a little bit, dropping his arm angle. Man, did he look good. Sharp with all three pitches. Allowed only two hits. This has been a production. And whoever in this crowd wasn't standing before, well, they're getting to their feet now. Of the Houston Astros. This place is rocking right now. Radio Network.